Wakey, wakey, hands off, snakey. You know what time it is. It's time for you to get off your lazy ass. Or you need to put the cucumber back in the fridge. <laughs> Again, you probably got rejected last night. We've all been there. We've all done that. Not the cucumber. Unless you're one of our female listeners. And you're, she's into that. Okay. But... Your Uncle Dave and I are here to perform our usual Saturday morning public service, which is to get you through the weekend and tell you what to listen to, what to watch, what to read. Yes, it is time for the weekend edition of Sports Frenzy 2.0. So get the coffee brewing, get the eggs cooking, the sausage sizzling. It is going, this we're taping February 28th, 2024. It will drop. March 2nd. Good grief. How time flies. When you're having fun. Oh, I am so sorry. You're trying to get over that, aren't you? And I just popped a beer. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I'm an enabler. I'm an enabler, Dave. <laughs> yes, yes, you are. <laughs> See, at least I had the decency to pop mine before we started. <laughs> Mine's a little more dramatic, though. No, oh, there you go. All right, so what do we always start off with, Dave? Music, because we are about the rock. Now, I would like to say, now there's a little bit of an age difference between us. Not a lot. A couple years. But I like to think we're, we're, we're rock and roll children of the 80s. Yes, yes, we are. Dio, of course, rock and roll children. So any band that from the 80s that puts out new music we're kind of we're there we're down with it we get a little geeked for a little nostalgic and so this is a band that has not put out a new album in about seven years and really hasn't put out a major hit single since the 80s right but when they were good they were very very good and they gave us one of the all-time classic rock anthems of the 80s that would be New Girl Now. Yes, we are talking about Honeymoon Suite. Yep, their new album, Alive. And it's, you know what's depressing is the fact that I tried to order this on Amazon. You cannot get a hold of a physical copy of it. Seriously? Yeah. Gah. They told me maybe mid to late March. Ugh. A travesty. But again, kudos. This is why we got Spotify. Yep. You know? Yep, that's what we enjoy. So, 12 songs, 10 new. Yeah, we'll talk about the two bonus tracks. Bonus <laughs> tracks. The bonus, <laughs> yes. But yeah. let's let let's get to the new music. I this album 10 the I'm not counting the bonus tracks. The quote-unquote bonus tracks, the 10 new songs, I'm like 50/50. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of there with you as well. Because you've There's... got 50, 50 that rock, that rem remind me of the old school honeymoon sweet days. And then you've got, you got the, the 50 who, <sighs> again, kind of reminds me of the old school honeymoon sweet days, yeah. pandering to the chicks. Yeah, and then there's the one that's just like, why did you even freaking do this? That I'll be interested to hear what you think. I wonder if it's the same one I I, I am. We'll, we'll find out. Yes. I've, I've got a couple that are, eh, but one that I right. really did not like. Yes. 
Um, now, I will say it starts off great. Like everything else we've had, it starts off fantastic. First three songs. First boom, three songs. Boom, boom, Absolutely agree. Alive. Find what you're looking for and done doing me. One of the greatest first three we've had yep. in some time. Yep, I agree. And now we re- we reviewed Alive before. Yeah. But Find What You're Looking For was actually the first single kind of slipped through the cracks on us. Yeah. But it's the best song on the album. And it is great. But Done I, Doing I, Me. Done Doing Me, I really, really like yeah. a little bit more than Find What You're Looking For. Well, it's a little more down and dirty. Yeah. You know? It's got that, that sleazy grind to it. It does. That's what I love about it. A little it. bit of and the double entendre with the, the title and yeah. the, the chorus. So, no, the first three, you cannot go wrong. Yep. And then we kind of get into some mediocrity. Yeah, and I didn't... I didn't hate them. Up to a the point. Next two. Yeah, up to the next two, right. The next two, not afraid to fail and tell me what you want. They're okay. Tell me what you want was better. Yeah, a little bit. Um, But, yeah generic mid-tempo stuff yeah. and this is kind of what i was afraid of is they is... they had a tendency to do this back in the 80s and and do, try to do the pandering again to the chicks yeah the mid-tempo power ballad type stuff nothing as egregiously bad as a open arms or can't fight this feeling <laughs> but they would try to appeal to yeah, the women you had to get that slow song for the high school dances yep then they 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 come back in with Give It All. Yeah, that definitely pops it back up. So it's completely six agree songs there. in, I'm like, still a really good yeah, album. Yeah, it's, it's, we're, we're in a good shape. Yep. We're moving along. Then we kind of hit a blip in the road. Yeah. yeah. Love comes, it's... <sighs> yep. yep. Really? Yep. Absolutely agree. Broken is just okay. It it kind of tries to come back, but it's still not where we were with the beginning. Yep, and then the last Living Bastion. Out Loud eh, is it's a little better. Well, at least it's rock, but right. I didn't like the, the female singers. In no, the that kind of ruined it. Yeah. And then the worst song on the album. Does it feel that way? What trope? Yeah, I, I'm pretty much there with you. I would say between that and Love Comes, those are the two worst. Yeah, but I will say doesn't feel that way is worse. Now, let's talk about the bonus tracks because <laughs> I have issues. I have issues. I have issues. Number oh, one, please. Number- Please tell me. Number one, it is a terrible. They didn't have to do this. Number one, this is a it terrible. Needed. This is a terrible sign that you're grasping for sales, that you're trying to pull anybody and everybody in you can when you take two of your old hits from the 80s and plaster them on the end of a new album as bonus tracks. It was not needed. It's a, a desperate cry for help. But the worst part of it, that's not that's not nearly as bad. 
is re-recording New Girl Mao and making it worse. Okay, thank you. One of the, one of the greatest, thank one of the greatest you. drum rolls in history. One of the greatest, along with Judas Priest, heading out to the highway. One of the greatest drum rolls of all time is in the original version of New Girl Now. And they took it out. On. It's gone from this new recorded version. Uh, do not mess with perfection. You you should not have done this. You should have left the bonus tracks off. Yes. You just, ruined your legacy with this. Do not, why would you redo New Girl Now and, and take away the strength of the song? It makes zero sense. No. Now I will try. I will try to review the album without the prejudice that I would normally bring in because of this egregious mistake that they made. Because "New Girl Now" is one of my favorite songs of all time, and I just keep hearing that dum 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 in the original, and how they took that out just boggles my mind. Who was the genius that thought of doing this? Probably some dumbass producer. So I'm just going to grade it based on the 10 new songs. And again, I'm kind of split, torn, 50-50. I don't want to downgrade the album because, again, the five best songs are really good. Yeah, they are really, really good. So I'm going to go with a weak two and a half frenzies on this. Yeah, two and a half. I'm going to go with two and a half. I'll give it a little bit more. There's a couple I think that I liked a little bit more than you probably, did. Probably, probably. But. We agree. The first yeah, three songs are the first, phenomenal. The first three are the absolute best. Yes. So there we go. Yep. It's worth listening to. Yep. There's some earworms in there that you're really going to like. And again, especially if you are children of the 80s like us. Yeah. And you remember Honeymoon Suite when they were. The big prize I have, I went out and bought that album three or four years ago, used, yeah. because you can't get it anymore. Right. The big prize, just awesome. Bad attitude. Feel it again. You know, beyond New Girl Now. Yeah. And again, how they pissed on it here. But with this, I will say, once you get through living out loud, stop. Yeah. Ignore yeah. the last three. Yep. Well, no, living out loud is track nine. So you would say, go through, give it all, and ignore the last four? Because you got give it all six, then love comes broken, living out loud, and doesn't feel that way. Yeah, I I could deal through living out loud. So ditch the last song. Ditch the last song, and then the bonus. Oh, you're counting the bonus. I'm yeah. counting the bonus. Okay, sorry. You're counting the bonus. I'm counting the I'm bonus. I'm still, I'm trying to wipe my mind. Yeah, oh. no. Discount the bonus ones and live in. Now, here's the weird thing about the bonus tracks, going back to those again. And, of course, they're <clears> just <throat> fucking with us completely here on this review. Because it's it's been done before, <clears throat> but it's just so odd. Just stop doing it. To, for a band to add their old greatest hits at <clears throat> the end of yeah. a new album as a desperate plea. Buy me, please buy me. It's a cry for help, and but it usually But Love Changes fails. Everything sounded like the original version, did it not? It did. 
Whereas New Girl now was a, a redo. Was a bastardization. Right. But Love Changes Everything sounded like it the sounded original version. normal. Okay. Just but tra- still. Just checking. You just don't. Just don't. Yeah. All right. And one new song this week. Now, we're going to cut music short because we have got a lot to discuss when it comes to movies. Yep. Our special Oscar preview where we're going to take a great, I mean, a monumental <laughs> yeah. great idea that the Conquistador had last week and run with that. So we got to give extra time to movies this week. We have one new song, the second single from the upcoming album, Happiness Bastards from yep. the Black Crows is Cross Your Fingers. Now, I initially, I know I, I, I told you when we picked this that I'd listened to it once and I wasn't overly impressed I think I was being a little harsh on it. I was going to say, I think you were really harsh since listening to this. I really like this one. I like it more than I, it grew on me the more I listened to it. I See, still don't like it as much as I love wanting and waiting. No, that one was phenomenal. But this this one, I, I enjoyed the Southern Rock Blues. It's kind of almost an experimental type for them what they're trying to pull with it i definitely think you're right on that it sounds very different and there's a lot of different things going on in the song but for whatever reason it struck a chord with me okay that i really enjoyed this one this is kind of you always ask me you always hard rock out hard rock out don't you mellow this is one of the mellow ones i give you too much of a hard time i do i do i you know well, I do. I like the hard, heavy stuff most of the time. Right. No, I know you can. You listen to mellow stuff. I'm not. <laughs> this isn't mellow, but I agree it's experimental. I think there are a lot of moving parts in here. Yeah. That vocally, some work, some musically. Don't. Yes. I'll, I will. I will be a little bit more upbeat and positive with this than I was initially. So I will give it a two and a half frenzies. See, I'm giving it a week three. So this is one that, for whatever reason, it just struck a chord with me. I think my issue with this is the second single. They have not put out new music in a long, long time. And, of course, we hear the first song, and it sounds like pent up over a decade. We haven't put out new stuff. Here you go. Nuclear bomb blast. Love it. You're going to love it. And now this is the fallout. This doesn't sound strong enough for me to be the second single, given this. This that could they've be got... mid mid album. If if I had discovered this, if when we get to the point where we review Happiness Bastards, and we get to the point where we listen to the full album, where I would have expected the, this to a B side, yeah, the top B side song, yeah, a song that was not released as a single but was just tucked in there in the album, then I probably would have liked it or. My expectations would not have been as high. Let's put it that way. That's valid. Okay. So I'm sure I'm still liking what I'm hearing. I'm sure it will grow on me a little bit more. We'll see. We'll We'll see see. what happens. It it could be the release point of it. Yep. So next week, our featured album review will be Ace Fraley's 10,000 Volts. We will also have new music from Kings of Leon, which I am going to be interested to hear the reaction from my brother from another mother 
Yeah, we've we've done them before back in the day. I was lukewarm with it. Yeah, Mustang is a little quirky and a little weird. God I love it. Us. I love it. I think it's great. And, and then one of our stalwarts. Yeah, one of the greatest guitarists of all time. We've got new Mark Knopfler for you as well next week. But, again, we've got to move on. We've got to get to movies. We've got lots of movie we, stuff for you. We've got a little bit of story time for you, which I'm very intrigued by. Because, again, your Uncle Dave and I do not <laughs> compare notes on anything. That's what makes this fun and spontaneous. So we both have a story time. And I'm wondering if it's the same story time, but we shall see. So let's move on to movies here on the Weekend Edition, kids. But before we get into the movies, the extravaganza with the Oscars and our story times, we've got to let you know where you can listen to us. And where would that be, you ask? Spotify, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Apple, Overcast, CastBox, Amazon, Audible, and iHeart Sports Frenzy, baby! Otherwise known as iHeart Radio. Do not forget that we are losing Radio Public in a month. Yep, on the 31st of March. Alas, if you're listening there, we've just given you multiple options to stay with us. So, yep. no excuses. It's nice to have choices. You have choices. Pick your favorite platform. Just can't be Radio Public anymore. So, give some love to one of the others. Yep. All right, movies, movies, movies. Let's start off with story time, and then we will get into our big pre-Oscar extravaganza. I can't wait for this. This is going to be fun. <laughs> So, should I start with story time, or should you? Because I have a feeling we're going to be very close to the same. It could be. Let me be and begin. So, if you've been listening, as you should have been for the last few weeks, you know that my youngest son, Nick, and I have been going back in the vaults of Westerns, most notably those of Clint Eastwood. So last week I had the big trilogy. The Spaghetti Western trilogy. Yep. Fistful of dollars, a few dollars more, and the good, the bad, and the ugly. So we decided to keep it rolling. And so we went with Hang 'em High. Oh, okay. Okay. Go ahead. Keep going. So, of course, Clint's character. Former policeman in St. Louis leaves that, wants to become a rancher. Buys some cattle from a rancher. Turns out the guy he bought it from was an imposter, had killed the rancher, and doesn't have the right bill of sale. And so friends of said rancher, frontier justice and string them up. But he's saved just before death by the territorial marshal making his rounds. Finds out, story checks out, and he becomes a new one of the new territorial marshals. And of course, he's out for revenge within the realm of the badge. So awesome revenge flick. Gotta love it. So... Uh, did Nick did Nick Nick like it? thoroughly enjoyed it. 
going back with the others. We discussed it afterwards, and we both agreed this one a week three. Fair. Very fair. So, wasn't quite as strong as the spaghettis, but it was entertaining enough for us. Yep. Now, the reason why I reacted the way I did, of course, most of you who've been listening know, we do not compare notes. And so I was being very hesitant, <laughs> yet interested in what story time your Uncle Dave was going to tell. Because, yes, a lot of what he said will apply to my story time. Now, we talked a few weeks ago, even before <clears throat> you guys watched the Spaghetti Westerns, we talked about Clint Eastwood. Yep. And then you guys did the Spaghetti Westerns. So, of course, you put that in my fucking head. <laughs> You're welcome. So I watched Pale Rider. <laughs> the preacher. That's coming up. Yes, I watched Pale Rider this past week. Of course, the preacher. Many. And this is the great thing about how Clint Eastwood has set up his career. And we've talked about this and talked about this and the brilliance with the Dirty Harry character. Was Gran Torino technically the end of the Dirty Harry character? Was Pale Rider and then later on Unforgiven? The end of the High Plains Drifter. You know, the man with no name. Was that all connected, <clears throat> tied together? Take it for what you will. But Pale Rider, of course, Clint Eastwood plays the mythical figure coming in riding in from the mountains <laughs> to save the prospects of a group of prospectors Yep, as they are panning for gold and they are up against the devious Richard Dysart and his clan, Chris Penn, his son, of course, <laughs> as they are, are and there's environmental stuff in there as they are yeah. basically hosing down the hills the and the mountains to try to wash the gold the gold down doing that basically back then the high tech stuff yeah whereas the the panners are just doing the old school you know panning for gold with the pickaxes and just trying to chop and and make a living get by go yeah. to town once or twice a year to get supplies so the mythical preacher <clears throat> comes in and, of course, the women, the few women in the town are smitten with him, which gets a little creepy, yeah, I will being admit. Being a preacher. Yeah. yeah. The, the young Sydney Penny was the actress. Yeah. They had a lesson girl. Very awkward exchange at one point. Yeah. Saying, will you teach me how to make love? Like, oh, God. No, cringy. No, cringy. No. Cringy. Creeper. Yeah. Very cringy moment there. But in terms of the action, it's it's your basic revenge, you know. Good versus evil western. Because at one point, villain from the past comes into play. <laughs> we see certain scars on the back of the preacher. And we know there's a history. Is he immortal? Is he, you know. Hmm. Where did we see the scars come into play before? Exactly. And then, of course, that you get this this lawman who comes into town, lawman for hire, corrupt 
with his six deputies. Yeah. <laughs> and they basically are there to wreak havoc and make sure that everything stays for La Hood. Status quo the, yeah, for the, the evil empire. Yep. And, of course, Clint Eastwood's character is there to make sure that does not happen. Just bring your hickory axe handle. Nothing like a good piece of hickory, Dave. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> so, and that is the best line in the movie. Yeah, nothing like a good piece of hickory. Um, I, I'm, I've, I've been debating how I want to rate Hail Rider. Because... I, I can see... Again, it's see... got some cringy moments now looking back. This movie was released in 1985. Nowadays, there are a couple things in it that are a little cringeworthy. Um, and I, I do get a little tired of... Even though Clint Eastwood's awesome, you know. And I'll admit I probably got a man crush on him. But the whole, you know, every woman falling in love with him... You know, the implication that he slept with the girl's mother. <laughs> and meanwhile, <clears throat> the guy who wants to, to marry her is the only guy that'll help him out in the end. It's just a little it's weird. Bizarre dynamics. Yeah, but is a straight on Western. Very well done. The bad guys get what they get. You've got this... <clears throat> This mythic quality, again, is the Eastwood character, is the preacher, some kind of a, a ghost come back from the dead, immortal, What? what is he? And then he rides off into the sunset at the end, up into the mountains, and the little girl's like, we all love you, preacher! We all love you! The final creepy moment. So, I would give it a solid three. I, I can't give it more than that. I can't give it less. Yeah. See, now I'm going to have to... I'm, I'm sure that's that's going to be there in the coming weeks as yeah. as Nick and I roll through. Yep. So. Yeah, because I'm, I'm already thinking about watching Unforgiven next. <laughs> <laughs> to close the whole thing yeah, out. Yeah, I, I think when we do Pale Rider, we're going to have to run through and do the the double so i will have the both coming up and i again be very interested younger generation again his son nick gonna turn 21 this year so yep very interested in hearing the younger generation's he, interpretation nick loves the westerns yep so yeah i i but I, I is he getting thrilled. the same i i'm just gonna rest it to see once you guys watch pale rider and unforgiven if he gets the same vibe that you and I do, or is there a connection? Is there something there? Was did he put together Pale Rider and later Unforgiven? Yeah. He Nick has asked me questions about the whole right. Eastwood Western thing. And then you're We've gonna have kind to go of back done and do this discussion. Harry. We've watched the first couple. Okay. So all both boys, Connor and Nick and I have watched the first two or three. So that'd be Dirty Harry, Magnum Force, and the Enforcer. Right? Yeah. So we still have you, to finish them off. Then you get sudden impact and the Deadpool. Yep. The Deadpool's vastly underrated. Vastly it is. underrated. That's great plot. Yes, he was getting on in years. But come on. 
you expect at some point. Yep. So, no, Deadpool is definitely underrated. All right, before we get to our Oscar project, a couple little movie news tidbits. Now, we talked about this. It was being bandied about. It is official now. It has a date, a release date. This could go one of two ways. It will either be a spectacular success or an unbelievable failure. Coming out July the 18th of 2025, Paramount has now set the date. The Naked Gun with Liam Neeson. Come on, just stop already. Just stop. The thing is, he needs to do something different. He is becoming... We were talking earlier about the 80s action heroes. Yeah. And all those great movies off mic and now he's falling into that that pit of the direct where where they were starting to fall off the map nobody cared about stallone nobody cared about schwarzenegger when it got to the 90s yeah and beyond and he's falling into that and the statham is now the next big action hero which i talked about a couple weeks ago so neeson needs to reinvent himself again and i think that's what this is do something new. I just don't know how he's going to be able to pull this off because I don't see how you can do he it is better. Not, he is not. No, I no, I don't see the comedic chops in him to pull this off. Well, again, the problem is you, how can you do better than Leslie Nielsen as Frank Drebin? You just can't. <laughs> Niels, Leslie had some nice of the beaver. greatest timing <laughs> And inflection and deadpan. You you can't top what he did. I'm sorry. I know. You can't. I know. And you know I'm with you. I just I will give it a five percent chance of being successful. I mean, it, who the hell's gonna play Norberg? <laughs> Kevin Hart? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. God. Speaking of Kevin Hart, there's a new batch of trailers. I don't know if you wanted to partake, and we could talk about them next week. Why not? What else have we got to do? But Kevin Hart and Kate Blanchett. Never thought I would say those two names being on the same marquee. In the video game adaptation of Borderlands. I'm intrigued by this one. So new the uh, the, the new boys trailer. and I have been discussing this. Waiting, it looks pretty good. It, it does. does look pretty good. So we got a new trailer for Borderlands. Kevin Costner's Horizon. That's the the first trailer is out for that. That could be a uh, sports frenzy movie night out where we take the boys. Well, we I'll tell you the one we need to do. Horizon, yes, I'm with you on that as well. We need to go see the Fall Guy. Oh hell yeah! I Thumb, watched that trailer up. again, and I just can't. Yeah, I hate <laughs> it. I hate it when you do the thumbs up stuntman thing. Oh, so you're gonna do the gun? And you're gonna holster the gun? <laughs> I love Ryan. See, now that's my new man crush is Ryan Gosling. When I was younger, it was Don Johnson. 
See, I'm not ashamed went, to admit you it. You went from Clint Eastwood, yep, to Don Johnson, and now we got Gosling. Yeah, there, there you go. I'm not ashamed to admit it. These are the men that I admired. I thought they're good looking. They were smart. They acted tough guys, cool guys, funny guys. Sorry, I'm not ashamed to admit it. There you go. And then finally, maybe more for me than for you. But nepotism. Uh, here we go. <laughs> I've always loved M. Night Shyamalan's movies. And I, I love how he tries. He fails sometimes. At least he tries to be different. And do the twist ending. Yeah, give you something you don't expect. Right. Well, now his daughter is jumping in now dad is producing the movie but his daughter's first directorial effort is the watchers and it looks just like one of one of her dad's movies it looks like i was gonna gonna say is this is this a remake of the dean coons no no this is actually based on another book not dean coons but another book um it looks just like her dad's movies. Of course. It looks like it's got some bizarre, weird shit going on with a big plot twist. So, we will uh, we'll, we'll discuss we'll, trailers we'll next week. We'll see what we've got. And then finally, I, uh, Dave knows this. I had to text him about this because this is just terrible news. That <clears throat> the John Wick spinoff Ballerina... Starring the wonderful Anna Diarmas. She's we pretty. Love. She's pretty. Was pushed back a year, a full Come year. Come on, that's absolutely damn ridiculous. There's no need for that. So Ballerina will not come out until June the 6th of 2025. And you know, is anybody even going to care with that big a gap between the Continental and the Ballerina? Well, that's the the risk you always take when you you do this. When you delay these movies, are people really going to give two shits? I worry about that with the Marvel movies. Because all you got this year is Deadpool and Wolverine. And And to be honest, looking at what we've had and what's coming down the line, this is the only one I give a rat's ass about. We'll see. We'll see. Now, this is another one that I did the week where you were off. They showed... The final cast for the Fantastic Four, the new the new version. The cast looks good, but but it could be good. Here's the thing that worries me, and this is a very petty thing on my part, but you, I'm not ripping on you for this. You will not watch the Jack Reacher movies with Tom Cruise, right? Right. There's principalities what? involved. Thank you. Okay. So I'm with you. I don't I've told you I like them, but that's fine. I understand. Understand completely. Principalities here. When they show the this it's now it's not a, a picture, it's like a drawing, it's like a a caricature of the four characters. Yeah. And again, thing looks good, human torch looks good, Sue Storm looks good, big star. As Reed Richards is Pedro Pascal, right? From The Last of Us. Yeah. 
Still got the fucking mustache. Reed Richards does not have a mustache. Shave the fucking mustache, Pedro. And he still could. But he's got the mustache. You can't have a mustache as Reed Richards. No, no that's principalities to me. Reed Richards has no mustache. You better shave that fucker off. And I know a couple weeks ago you guys heard me do this, ran about this, and I don't care. Principalities. We have them. There are some things you just don't fuck with. Reed Richards does not have a porn stash. Okay? Let's get over it. Shave it off, Pedro. I don't give a shit about your little stupid-ass zombie show. You can regrow it. It doesn't take that long. All right. Now it's time to have fun. Now it is time to have some fun. Dave and I both have our lists of every Oscar-winning Best Picture from 1929 through 2023. Yep. Not counting Oppenheimer quite yet. It hasn't won yet. So, this gonna, is your lead-in. Yep, we're going to mess around here for the next 15 minutes or so and discuss the greatest quote-unquote movies of all time. Now, I was kind of shocked when I, I printed out the list initially in some of the mm-hmm. movies that have not won Best Picture. Yeah, I, you're going, what? what? Wait, yep. well, where, where's this? Where's, where's that? Where's where the is other? Citizen Kane? Where is Chinatown? Not, Not on the list. Nope. Some of the biggest upsets in those years in Oscar history. So, I'm going to let you take the lead because, Dave, we've already kind of done some initial discussions on this. Not spoiling anything, but he has watched about 10 more movies on this list than I have. And I have a feeling a lot of them are the older ones. So, Yeah, I've... Let's just go kind of run through 1929. The first Oscar winning picture was Wings, and we can just burn through to the point where you get to the first one you watched. Yep. So 29 Wings. Nope. The Broadway Melody from 1930. Nope. 1931. All Quiet on the Western Front. I actually did watch that one. Okay. I have never seen that. The original. So it was okay. It was one of those, a number of these, you're going to, what the hell were you doing watching these? No, I, I don't, well, I won't. I won't judge you. But there were days where homesick from school, what the hell else are you going to do flipping through HBO, Cinemax, or whatever, you find something that's on. Mm-hmm. So hit that one. 32, Cimarron, 33, Grand Hotel, 34, Cavalcade, 35, It Happened One Night, 1936, The Original, Mutiny on the Bounty. Yes, I have seen that one. I figured that. I figured that'd be one that you'd seen. I have not seen that. So, 37, The Great Zigfield, 38, The Life of Emile Zola. 39, You Can't Take It With You. Of course, 1940, Gone With the Wind. Never watched it. That I wound up watching. It was on when I was staying over at my grandparents. So there you go. Now, uh, you're not giving me opinions on these. All's Quiet was, it's it's a warm, 
World War One. Now, was that a talkie? It was. Okay. So, it was okay, from what I remember. Mutiny it's on been, the Bounty? It's been years. Mutiny on the Bounty was fantastic. Okay. The intensity. I mean, Charles Lawton as the captain. Just the intensity that he brought as that character was incredible. His screen presence. And what about Gone with the Wind? Gone with the Wind. It's one of those epics. It was all right. So, take it or leave it. The, the, the cinematography was well done for the time with right. the effects with right. the great fire and everything else. Right. was pretty damn good. So, then 41, Rebecca. 42, How Green Was My Valley. 43, Mrs. Miniver. Of course, 1944, Casablanca. That's the first one on my list where I, yes, I watched that. And I also have that down as one of my three most, most overrated. overrated. Yes. I didn't it was, get it. I didn't. I, I All it, I heard was this great love story between Bogey and Bacall. It was boring. Yes, and all the great quotes played against it Sam. It had some decent quotes, but it was but, boring. Yeah, as a movie, I agree. Really boring. Very overrated. Yeah. Then 1945, Going My Way with Bing Crosby. That's one that I did see. Really? Yes. Okay. Okay. That was it? It was enjoyable. Okay. Not bad. Then 1946, The Lost Weekend. 47, Best Years of Our Lives. 48, Gentleman's Agreement. 49, Hamlet. 50, All the King's Men. 51, All About Eve, 1952, An American in Paris, then 1953, Epic, The Greatest Show on Earth. Which yes. I've heard, you've watched that? I've seen it. Okay. I was just going to say, now I've heard that that was the most overrated best picture of all time. <sighs> there was a lot going on with this one. So when I saw it... I was kind of captivated as a youth with the whole circus right. thing going on. Uh -huh. I mean, it had Charlton Heston for crying out loud. Roddy McDowell, one of his first roles. So, from so what you, I remember, you did not hate it. I didn't hate it compared to some of these other ones, right? Or... And I think it may be the time when I saw it, varying ages of. But as a youth watching this one, the whole circus thing was captivating. There you go. 1954, From Here to Eternity. I actually watched that one one day. I figured you'd seen that one. So, it I, had its moments. As a war movie, it, right. as the background, the love story, whatever. And I didn't and that's care about that That's the only thing crap. that's really stuck through the ages is... The one scene where, where they're, they're on the kissing beach, on the beach out. with yeah, the tide coming in. But right? the, the war part is what intrigued me. So, 55, On the Waterfront. That I thought was overrated. 1955, On the Waterfront, I have as one of my 10 greatest Oscar winners of all time. I loved I yeah, loved I it. Yeah, I couldn't get into it. Just the, the young Marlon Brando. 
I thought it was great. Yeah, it, maybe it was when I saw it. No, I now now this could say how little I think of the Oscar winners. <laughs> that could be too. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I have on the waterfront as one of my ten greatest Oscar winners of all time. Yeah. Then we have 1956 Marty. Ernest Borgnine. Ernest right? Borgnine. 57 Around the World in 80 Days. That one I saw. Not bad. Kind of one of those adventure type things. Yep. 58. One of my favorites. The Bridge on the River Kwai. You hated it, didn't you? No. This is one. I have five. The, there are five movies on my list. I've got various categories going here, kids. Five movies that Dave will shame me. Are you kidding me? I have never watched The Bridge on the River Kwai. As I look over my left shoulder, it's sitting right up there in my Dude, my DVD collection. You're killing me. I have never me. watched it. I have never watched The Bridge on the River Kwai. William Holden, Alec McGinnis. I know. I know. And I need to Or Alec it. Guinness. Yeah. Ah, oh, so good. That is one of my favorites. 59, Gigi. Then, one of the epics from 1960, Ben-Hur. Another one. He's never... <laughs> Another one. The Great Chariot Race. Come on! I know. I know. And I actually looked it up on Amazon today when I was finishing <laughs> up my list. And I was like, should I buy this and watch it? Yes. Yes, you should have. Because, yeah, I've never never watched Ben-Hur. Not, uh, not the remake from a few years ago. Not the original. Nope. All right. So you still have to get to the chariot race, dude. I will. I will, eventually. All right. 1961, The Apartment. Which is one I want to watch. I kind of want to see that one. Yeah. So then 62, West Side Story seen that one i i don't think i've ever seen it and i i know the whole premise and it just doesn't i don't care now another one of those where it was on when i was right yeah 63 lawrence of arabia i did watch that again I was one curious of my six about this one of my sick days from school i was curious if you'd actually subjected <clears throat> yourself to this i did it's too damn long yeah again that's why i stayed away from it yeah uh, 64, Tom Jones. Eh. What's Never... new, pussycat? Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Oh, no, wrong God. Tom yeah. Jones. 65, My Fair Lady. Yes, I've seen it. Oh, God. Okay. Oh, God. <clears throat> really? Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. 66, The Sound of Music. Yes, I've seen it. Yeah. Again. I was a victim of circumstance with those two. Another one of the movies that we talked about, not on the list in terms of best picture, uh, The Wizard of Oz. Right. Sound of Music is just like The Wizard of Oz. It was on every, every year. Every time. year. Yeah. yeah. 67, A Man for All Seasons. Now we get into a run. We get the runs here, kids. Yeah. 1968, In the Heat of the Night. Seen that one? 
Never seen it, have you? That's my third frowny face. That's my third of five. I've I've never seen it. I'm sorry. They call me Mr. Tibbs. Yes, I know. And I really need to see this movie. And I've never seen the meat of the night. So good. 1969, Oliver. Please, sir, I want some more. (laughs) Seen that one. Really? Yeah. No, No, I've never seen Oliver. That was a uh, another one of those home days. It's nineteen seventy, Midnight Cowboy. Yes. I think I saw that. I have a question mark next to that one. I do believe I've seen it. It just there. It didn't I'm walking here. Well, yeah, Ratso Rizzo. I just don't remember it enough where I'm going to verify a hundred percent that I did watch it. 1971, Patton. Oh, God, you haven't seen this one either, have you? That's my fourth frowny face. (laughs) Yes, I have seen that one. Now we get to one of the best pictures on this entire list, the French Frickin' Connection. You knew damn well that was going to be one of my (laughs) top ten. Definitely one of the top ten in terms of the greatest of the greatest. Yes. French Connection, definitely one definitely of the greatest movies very good. on this list of all time. Then 73, The Godfather. I didn't put it down as overrated, but I get a little tired of everybody saying it's the greatest movie ever made. It's, it's not, not the greatest movie ever made. It's not. It's a good movie. It's yes. a good trilogy. Yep. And this is the best of them. Yes. Although the third one, even though it's the weakest of the three, has the best line. Just when I thought they were out, they they pulled me back in. We still use that to this day. Yes, we do. (laughs) Uh, Then 1974, The Sting. Uh, This is one. Dude, you're killing me here. This is my fifth frowny face. <laughs> I I so have never good. seen the sting. All Newman, the way Redford, and Shaw. Come on, that three was of our one. favorites. Ben Hur and the Sting. I looked at online today, thinking I should probably buy these movies <laughs> so I could watch them. Uh, nineteen seventy-five. This is the last one we're gonna do. Yeah, for we're gonna tonight. do we're this gonna in save two the parts. rest for next week. Yep. But 1970, The Godfather Part 2. Again, Again, are you going to compare it to the first one? Uh, You know, compare it to the third one? Many people say this one was better than the first one. I didn't think it was better than the first, but they they both have their moments. So, there we go. Overrated, to a point. Not vastly overrated. No, this one was more overrated than the first. But again, as a trilogy, it's a solid trilogy. Yeah. Did both of these deserve Best Picture of the Year? Probably not. So next week, we will resume with 1976. And I think then we're going to get into a... Because this is going to get into the point in time where we actually were old enough to see these movies sometimes in the theaters. Yep. Without having to watch them on cable TV. 
So next yeah. week, the weekend before the Oscars, we will finish up with our review of what we've seen, what we think is overrated, which yeah. we have no desire. All my frowny ever. faces are gone now. <laughs> so the five movies that I was ashamed to admit to you that I have never seen, they're all gone now. They're all off the table. So now we're going to get into the movies that I'm ashamed that I watched. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, there's not too many. There's a couple here where I'm ashamed that I haven't seen them yet. So this is where we get into that part. Maybe for then me. we'll be a little bit more different. Yeah. So, in terms and there of are stuff some where it's just like, uh, right. why was this even made? Right. But. All right. We do have a book to review. Going back here. Now, Dave reviewed it a while back, of course, because he reads 5,000 books a year. And I'm like a normal human being and I read 10 or 12 a year. But the series that brought me back into reading because of course school doesn't want you to read interesting things they try to force you to read crap and then of course you go through college and they do the same thing so you decide when you're 22 23 24 i am never going to read a goddamn book ever again and then you will eventually find something that will spark your interest and bring you back and that for me was the Spencer series with Robert B. Parker. Of course, Taming a Seahorse was the, the one that brought me in, brought me back. Yeah. Jumped in midstream in the Spencer series, went back, started from the beginning with the Godville manuscript, have read every one of them ever since. I pestered this man next to me for years and years and said, you've got to read the Spencer books. And he's like, I'm reading 47 other series. Shut up, Kev. I'll get to it. Yep. And finally and lo, he did. the year of the pandemic, I caught up. <laughs> well, yeah, and the, the Spencer books. They're quick reads. Especially when Parker was writing them. Yeah. Um, and we're going to have to talk off mic. Something I was thinking about in terms of if Nick has ever resumed. He seems like he dropped off. He and... has kind of stopped with the reading for the most part. I mean, he's got some of his graphic novels that he's picked up on. But for a while, but he was he was, he was tearing through, through the Spencer novels. Of course, you can harken back to the old great, great TV show, Robert Urich. And, of course, Avery Brooks as Hawk. Nobody could ever play Hawk better than Avery Brooks. Did. Oh no, he was perfect. Yeah, he was and Robert Urich was pretty As close to perfect. Parker, yeah. That was that was the ultimate casting for both those characters. Yep. And then of course they failed miserably later on as they tried to make Joe Montaigne Spencer, which was that just was bad. Wrong. Just wrong on many levels. And then we won't even talk about Netflix and Marky <sighs> Mark. No, that Spencer no. Confidential, that travesty, which bothers me more than Tom Cruise's Reacher bothers you. But. I don't know. I think it's pretty damn close on that. I just, that Spencer Confidential was just. See, I even refuse to watch that. Travesty beyond all belief. Travesty. Um, Alan Arkin as Henry. Come on. No, no, no. no. 
You need a spitball fire plug playing Henry. You need a guy who's actually in shape and fit. Yeah. Is what you need. But anyway, I digress because we are talking about the latest Spencer book, Mike Lupica, New York sports writer, has taken over with the blessing of the Parker estate as the new writer writer, of everything. Even though we liked Ace Atkins, who'd been doing the books up until this point after the passing of the late, great RBP. Atkins was perfect. There was never, you didn't see a transition. He had the tone, he had the pacing, he had the, the, the dialogue, everything down pat. Lupica is a different cat. Um, I, I have issues with his writing style, big time issues. Uh, I can't tell you the last time and Dave maybe can back me up on this since he's read all the books, a 380-page Spencer novel really didn't happen all that often. No. They were usually 300, 320. At most. A lot of them were in the 280 range. Um, Because, again, Parker was very sparse with his dialogue and his writing. He did not get into the flowery stuff. Nothing wrong with that. James Lee Burke does it, and he's a phenomenal writer, but he knows what he's doing with it. Parker knew man's got to know his limitations. Exactly. Parker knew his story, what he wanted, and he carried it out. Atkins followed through with that. Lupica is trying to do his writing style to a point with Spencer. I have problems with his writing style. He has way too many run-on sentences. Oh, my God. He loves italics, which is a... You never... No. You don't use italics in writing. If it's something that needs italics, then it shouldn't be written. Italics is for speaking. And italics is more... I'm emphasizing, you're an asshole! You know... Not that person. You're an asshole. Yeah. He, I, he I'm puts... yelling at Dave like this. I don't mean to, but. Well, I know I am, but that's okay. <laughs> but I, I, italics but yeah. is lazy when it comes to writing. If you can't get the point across without using italics, what's next? Are we going to put everything in bold? Are we going to underline stuff? I mean, come on. And then the run-on sentences. Dry... Parker would never put together a run-on sentence like Lupica does. And it's run on after run on after run on. I should have known. Now I'm going to go all negative here for a second, and then I will get to the positive. I should have known the minute I cracked open the book and I saw the dedication was to his friend, James Patterson. One of the worst writers I have ever come across in my life. I read one book from James Patterson, and that's all I needed to read to know he is a hack. But somehow he's the the most successful of our generation, most successful hack out there, because he just whores his name out to a whole bunch of other writers, and lets them do all the work. And I can't wait for this Michael Crichton, James Patterson, Volcano book coming out this year. Wow. Yeah, it's like why did the 
Crichton Estate pick Patterson to do it. Preston or Child would have those, been so One much of better. those two would have been perfect. Oh, my God, yes. Yep. But again, we should be running the world. All right. So let's get into the good, as I've hit all, all the negatives. The good is Lupica seems to have a good feel for the character in general. He seems to have a good feel for the dynamic with Hawk and with Susan and with Vinny and all the core characters. He, he knows the Spencer universe. And he does a good job propelling us through, mentions the Gray Man, Paul Giacomin, basically mentions almost all he, past characters. He, he basically, this was his book where he mentioned ev almost everybody to try and show the fans that he knows the history and the universe. Yep. And it was overdone. It was nauseating to me how much yeah. he had to throw in there. Yeah, we get Tony Marcus, of course, in at one point. The mention of Gino Fish. Finally, the mention of him passing yeah. away. Yep. Which I, I said I finally stumbled across that in the Jesse Stone books. I don't want to spoil anything for you guys out there. Of course, Dave and I have both read the book. Dave and I are going to have to talk off mic about the ending because I think we needed another short chapter at the end because yes. he decided to end it where he ended it. I think he needed another short little chapter to cover one final mm. point. It's a big leap. You can, you can, you can guess you can with most certainty what happened. For where it was but come on parker would never do that to you no no and there was a point a couple chapters earlier where i thought he could have cut it off and it would have been a nice ending yeah and again can't spoil it for you guys dave and i will discuss but i will give broken trust a three frenzies and I believe that's about what you gave it as well. Yeah. It is not quite as good as Atkins, Ace Atkins, or, of course, the master, Robert B. Parker, but I'll take it. Let's, let's see if Lupica can grow. Again, he seemed to get more confidence as the book went along. Yeah. In terms of his... You, you, you could... You could read and feel the tone that he was finding the rhythm that we expected. Yep. Yeah. Now another, one last criticism, minor criticism. Hawk talks too much. Oh, absolutely. Hawk does not talk this much in a Spencer novel. No. Lupica's got him a little bit more verbose than he would normally be. Now, in terms of the language and how he uses it and the interplay with him and Spencer and he got that. Yeah. He had he had a really good feel for the their friendship and their interpersonal. Yes, and how they will, how they, they talk will lob and racist insults at each other. And again, their world is much better than ours because they can do that. 
because they're close. They understand each other. And it's not like the world nowadays where everything's overreactionary and, you know, you look at somebody the wrong way. You're a racist. You're a racist. They've gone to the mat for each other time and again. Yep. Literally. Yep. So we'll see. Like Dave said, let's give it another book and see where we go with the next one. Because now it looks like he has passed the Sonny Randall books off to somebody else from what I saw. So Interesting. Because looking like he was going to write the entire Everything. outside of the uh, the Colin Hitch books. Yeah, which we should have another one. I have not... not seen anything yet. I haven't seen anything yet. Because I... The one one was a new one was supposed to have popped last year, but I thought it got pushed back to this year. I haven't seen anything on the Cole Hitch. Anything. Mm. There's nothing on the agenda I've seen for Jesse Stone. There is a new Sonny Randall with like I said, with a new author. Yeah. So the Robert B. Parker estate is moving and flowing and changing things as we speak. So there we go. All right. Moving on to TV and streaming. Lots to discuss here. Lots and lots to discuss. Uh, let's let's hit some headlines first before we get into our shows. All right. Let's knock these out. All right. For those of you out there who love your TV and streaming and want to know when stuff is going to hit, if you want to watch Wonka, no, not really. Wonka will be on Max on March the 8th. I love personally, even though I never finished the series, I need to go back and watch it. Kind of like you guys are doing with Breaking Bad. Yeah. Uh, Ray Donovan. Like I watched the first two seasons. I loved it, but I never finished it off. I saw the first two episodes and never got to get into it and see it through. Yeah. No, it's just one of those ones where I don't know why, but I couldn't follow through on it. Definitely. I have all the seasons so I can catch up whenever I want. They're going off now, now that the Ray Donovan series is over, they are talking about now going forward on Paramount plus not showtime, but Paramount plus with, a spinoff called The Donovans. Interesting. Something to look forward to. The boys! (laughs) Finally, the boys are back on June the 13th on Amazon Prime. Still waiting too long for that. The results... Dave's going to love me for this. The results of the Elimination Chamber from last weekend. (laughs) Of course, this sets up everything for WrestleMania. Becky Lynch, the man, won the Women's Elimination Chamber match. It was actually a damn, that was a damn good match. That was the best by far of the night. Or I should say, the morning. Because it happened in Perth, Australia. So it was on at uh, yes. five in the morning on Saturday. I did not. Yeah, I was going to say, did no, you get up no, for no, that? No, 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 no. I was waited. that your Saturday morning hangover? No, I waited until they posted <laughs> the replay about two in the afternoon. And then I started watching it. So Becky Lynch, Becky Lynch will fight my girl, Rhea Ripley. 
And then on the men's side, Drew McIntyre. Thanks to some help from that snake, Logan Paul. <laughs> hitting Randy Orton with brass knuckles. Drew McIntyre takes advantage. Drew McIntyre will fight Seth freaking Rollins at WrestleMania for the World Heavyweight title. Of course, we all know the Universal title is the big one, <clears throat> which I thought was going to happen last year. Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns. As it should be. Now we move into the shows that we've been watching. First up, though, let us say that True Detective Season 4 was such a monumental success. They have already renewed it for Season 5. Good. Then we've got time to go back for the first three seasons that we have not, that Mrs. C and I have not watched I was going to say, I'm all caught up. I've watched so, it all. So. Mrs. C and I will be able to catch up on the first three. And you will not be disappointed. And I will just say that, again, seasons two and three got bad raps that they should not have. They're both very good. Very, very good. Yeah. No, we, we thoroughly enjoyed Night Country. Yep. So that's where we're going next. Our review of True Detective season four, Night Country, starring Jodie Foster, who, again, I've been praising her for weeks on this show. She is the best female actress out there she is so good when <sighs> she she does not do a lot no but when she does something she is so good the hell with meryl streep she yeah. is the most overrated actress out there yeah we'll talk more about both jodie foster and meryl streep again mm -hmm. next week as we continue our oscar list as we get into the 80s yep late Running 70s through. 80s but now we have to give props to her co-star, Callie Rays, former boxer. Yeah. Turned actress. She did a as, phenomenal job. As Navarro. Yeah, she did a great job. Yep. Now, there. this is not a straight-on murder mystery, per se. There's a lot of There's mysticism. A lot, of, a lot of supernatural, mystic stuff. Time travel? Yeah, a little bit of that in there. I mean, I we, mean do get, just... we do get a, a conventional solution to the murder yeah, that but, starts everything off. But there's just a lot going on in this one yeah. to unpack. And the thing is... I'm fine with it because I want something different, and this was definitely different. Yeah, the, the, it was just enough to give the story its credence and the weird factor up in the upper portions of Alaska. Right. As they begin their run of no sunlight. Yep. And, of course, they tell us throughout the six episodes, how many days of night we're into. Yeah. No, it was it was very well done. Thoroughly enjoyable. Yeah, and I think if you like this, you're gonna you're gonna love the first three seasons. Again, different tone for the most part for for each all one. seasons. Yep. Now the first season with McConaughey and Harrelson might be the closest. And again, I can't understand why the creator is so against 
Nick Pizzolato, who was in charge of the first three seasons, and then they handed this off to somebody else, a woman, for the fourth season. She'll take over for the fifth season as well. But it it, it feels like a natural progression to me that they they didn't miss a beat. Somebody's bitter that he didn't get to do it. Probably, because I I see no difference in terms of the tone. Yeah. The spookiness, the eeriness, the... He, he probably expected it to flop, and because it was so good, he's bitter. Got to be something like that, because there's nothing wrong with this at all. No, this this was fantastic. It was engaging. It kept your interest throughout. There was really no letdowns through it. No, I was wrong, because I was basing it on the other three seasons the other three were eight episodes. This was only this six. This was only which six. Which you told yeah. me. Um, and, and I don't think it couldn't have gone eight. No. No. No, I think it's, it's perfect at six. Um, we can discuss, again, the fact that we get shortchanged more and more. We <laughs> yeah. Can, we will go from old school when we were kids to 20, 23, 22 episodes a year. Then it got cut down to 13 episodes a year. Yeah. Now at eight and then six. Yeah, but if the storyline only warrants it, don't drag it out. That's fine, but it's not like we're getting more content. Right, we're That's getting less content with fewer episodes. How many How many years are we going to have to wait for season five? That's a good That's question. That's my question. Two, three. That's the problem. Two, three. That's the problem. Six episodes. And now we're going to have to wait two years for another six episodes? Unacceptable. That's the problem That's I've completely got. unacceptable. That being said, solid three and a half frenzies. Absolutely agree. Yep. Fantastic show. And again, Jodie Foster, great. Storyline, great. Well acted. Well done. Very well done. Yep. Now, moving over to Max. Running through, we have the first four episodes of season two of Tokyo Vice. And this is kind of a show I, I think you and I both agree feels like it's flying under the radar. It is. Hardly anybody knows about it. Now, of course, we jumped on it when it first started. The great Michael Mann of yeah. Miami Vice. No relation between the shows no. at all. But Based on a true story. Jake Edelstein, reporter, American reporter over in Japan, and his his tales of the Yakuza and organized crime in Japan. That's why I was kind of surprised. I didn't know if they'd planned this to go beyond one season. Yeah, I'm glad. Well, the way it ended, I'm glad it's continuing because you got to finish the story. Right, yeah, we got a cliffhanger kind of at the end of season one, so you're like, okay, there's got to be more to this. Yeah, and, and we're getting it, and whoo! So, yeah, this season two has picked up with the intensity where season one ended. Yeah, just great shows can take time off. And then they make you feel like you they didn't miss a beat. Yeah, this was just a seamless transition. Run right oh my through. god, yes. Beautifully yep. done. Yep. So now we've got a more intense police presence where they, they found a loophole 
where they think they can bring down organized crime in Japan. Yep. Jake's found his voice with the paper. May have found love. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A very, very dangerous, Dangerous very dangerous love. No doubt I love Dr. Jones. Yep. Yep. So there's a lot. And we'll get more into it as the season progresses, you know, once we get to the, the point where we can review the full season. Maybe we'll tell you a little bit more so we don't spoil things for you. Yeah, but but episode four, shit really came together. Yep. Yep. Now now we it was good first three, but four, boom, the adrenaline spike hits, and now we're gonna be taken off. Yep. So again. Highly recommend you go back. If you haven't watched season one, check out season one. Get into season two here. Yeah, Tokyo Vice is so good. It's very well done. Antel Elgord, of course, was Baby Driver. And then, of yep. course, Ken Watanabe. Great cast. Katagiri, yep. so good as yep. that detective. Yep, very, very well done. Great show. Now. I have been watching a lot of TV and streaming over the past week. So I caught up on a couple shows from 2023. One I'm almost done with, which will be my review next week. Dave will love this because it's his niece. Of course, I told him last year she wrote me into watching the two seasons of The White Lotus. (laughs) I got hooked on that, so I blew through both of those on Max. Well, now she got me finally to start finishing off. I started it, couldn't get going on it, watched the first episode, rewatched the first episode months later, won all these awards, won all these freaking awards. Everybody's telling us, greatest show ever. I finally this week started to watch it, and I am almost done. Ten episodes on Netflix of Beef. So I will have my review of Beef. What the hell is that? It's not, it's a terrible title, by the way. Terrible, terrible title. It's basically a road rage incident. And you watch how it spirals completely out of control. You know. It's actually not bad at all. I saw him like, really? You're going to run 10 episodes on this? It works. It had. It works. I saw the. Now, I'm not going to say. No desire. I'm not going so far. Like, again, all the awards, all the accolades it's gotten. I'm not going down that road. But it's entertaining. It's very entertaining. And it makes sense when you you see all of these things cascading. The escalation. escalates and the things they do and the people that get roped in the family members <laughs> and friends that all get roped in yeah. and the consequences on them and how they end up making this whole road rage thing escalate. Uh, Very well done. All right. Now we'll see. I have not seen the final couple episodes. Will it have the payoff? Will it actually There's... know how to end? You know, but like she said, can you finish the job? Yeah. Big boy. <laughs> <laughs> But my review this week, the other one that I finished off from 2023, one of the lesser known streaming services is AMC Plus. Why do you buy AMC Plus? 
when you've got AMC. You've got that on most of your normal cable networks. If you have Comcast, you have Xfinity, you have YouTube TV, you get AMC. So what the hell do you need AMC Plus for? And I don't have it. But one of the perks that you get is Shudder. Now, Shudder is devoted to horror. Gross, nasty, slasher horror flicks and all that type of stuff. And that's kind of like a little offshoot channel nobody knows about that's included with AMC+. Plus. But their main show, their flagship show, is Creep Show. <laughs> yes. The Creep Show? Yes. They took the Stephen King, George Romero movie from way, way back in the day, and they've turned it into a TV series. Now four seasons in, and I have watched every season. (laughs) Now I buy the DVDs, usually get them fairly cheap. You get a full season usually for like 15 bucks. So I finished off season four the other night. (laughs) Nice. Now I I can't get into the weeds on this, but Dave knows the, the structure, the premise of Creepshow. You guys, if you've ever seen the movie. A lot of vignettes. Yes. And I am a sucker sucker for that type of stuff that's why i like true detective because every season is different creep show you get a couple vignettes every episode different stories so if one's boring you know there's a different one coming so you're not you don't feel like you're wasting your time so season four some of the the best ones of season four are the hat an author Finds a, a hat, given a hat. Was Steve. it made from the asshole of a witch? <laughs> oh, my Lord. Anyway. <laughs> Come on, I'm trying to tie it all together. <laughs> it, it, let's just say the hat is demonic, even though it helps the guy write great material. So it could be made from the asshole of a witch. <laughs> Then you've also got Baby Teeth, which was the final one of the season, which is really gross. You've got uh, the grieving process, which I loved, involving zombies to a certain extent. Not like an overwhelming infestation, but how would you handle it if your spouse became a zombie? Would (laughs) Would you kill your spouse? Would you keep her chained in the basement and feed her? Oh, God. (laughs) You've got um, Cheat Code, which was probably the best of the entire season. A video game. Old school, like an Atari video game. (laughs) Well, I read a story where they took all the the copies and they buried them in the desert. And nobody knows why. Because if you beat the game, you get sucked into the game and you have to play the final <laughs> level. And For if, real. Yes. And if you die, you, you die. die. Wow. I like that premise. Yep. It's a gr- it's done very well, too. Very, very well done. It, it's kind of the take on uh, Jumanji. Yeah. Yep. Then you got Meet the Belascos, which is interesting because it involves vampires. But what if vampires had been assimilated into society, but there was still prejudice against them. 
Oh, yeah, I got a bunch of bloodsuckers moved in next door to me. <laughs> Who have a hat made from the asshole of a witch. <laughs> and they... Hey, come on, I got to tie what you do in the shadows <laughs> in somewhere since we're only getting one more freaking season from them. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that the other day. The wildly popular FX show is coming to an end. Then why is it coming to an end if, if it's, it's wildly, wildly popular? popular? Bastards. Meet the Belascos has vampires, like just mentioned. But very funny that they have to do everything at night. So they're like out doing repair work in their lawn and neighbors are going, I'm trying to sleep. What are you doing? Stop banging on your goddamn fence. Uh, and then George Romero kind of sort of makes an appearance in a really not a very good vignette. And then Doodles was the other one I wanted to mention. Doodles is very cool. Everybody doodles. Yeah. But this one woman who doodles. Her doodles come to life. And, of course, she just kind of likes to draw, like, people dead and with their throats cut. Oh, God. <laughs> so. Nice. I I really like season four of Creepshow a lot. Better than maybe all the other seasons. Uh, I will give this a very strong three frenzies. Nice. There we go. Just only a couple clunkers out of the 12 total stories in season four. So, all right. Got some moments of silence here. Got some moments of silence and it goes all over the map. Unfortunately, going to start off with two legends in the world of wrestling. The Four Horsemen. Maybe, arguably, the greatest faction in wrestling history. Yeah, they were pretty damn good. The core, the the, the classic core of the Four Horsemen was Ric Flair, Tully Blanchard, Arn Anderson, and Ole Anderson. And Ole Anderson, now, of course, these are not <clears throat> their real names. No. But Ole Anderson passed away here recently. And then on top of that, same era, everybody remembers the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, yep. and his bodyguard, Virgil. Virgil. Only 61 years old. Oof. Again, not... Not his real name, but Virgil passed away as well. Two legends in the world of professional wrestling left us this past week. Yep. Now we had actor Charles Deerkop was in The Sting, Policewoman, was a member of the Wild Bunch and Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. One of those character actors who was there. It was so good in whatever he did. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought him up because I was going to as well. Um, you got to see the face. You got to look up the face. Yeah. And you will, if you're of our age group again, you will see his face and go, oh my God, I remember him from that the, guy. Yeah, and you look boom, at the boom, credits boom, in boom, his boom. obituary. It's insane. Yep. And there's always, it seems like, every month or two here lately a guy like that or a woman like that passing away who was in all those great shows in the 70s and early 80s. Yep. And then comedian 
Richard Lewis passed away. I thought he was always very funny. Yeah. I always oh liked my God. Him. He was he was great in whatever he did. Yep. He had that deadpan delivery. Just so good with his timing. Yep. So. Loved Richard Lewis. Absolutely loved him. You had uh unfortunately prominent MASH writer, wrote dozens of episodes, including co-writing the awesome finale. Dan Wilcox passed away. We also had Jackie Lowry, the first ever Miss USA. Also starred in Abbott and Costello movies and was for a time kind of a sidekick to Johnny Carson. Yep. Uh, too then, much. Speaking of Charles Deerkop and those type of actors, we, we've got another one. Paul Diamato passed away. Uh, Paul Diamato, now we will talk more about maybe his work in The Deer Hunter next week <laughs> with our Oscar talk again. But most well-known for being the foil to Paul Newman in Slapshot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. One of the great sports movies. I got to put a frowny uh, face. You've never seen Slapshot. No. Come on. Dick Cavett's great line. We'll take your calls now for questions. And we would like you to keep it within the realm of great, of good taste. I've got it somewhere. I know I've got it somewhere. <laughs> the you know, Hanson brothers. Yeah, well, I know the Hanson brothers, of course. I just. Eddie Shore, old time hockey, eh? <laughs> All right, Dave, what time is it? It's time to pivot. All right. We have got a lot to burn through here in America's favorite game show. Dumbass or not. We'll burn through these as quickly as we can. But unfortunately, what do we do here? We always call out the idiots of the world, call out the racists, the, assholes. the haters, the assholes. So unfortunately, we are judges. We are the jury. Unfortunately, we are sometimes not the executioners. So, of course, most of the stuff is going to be, when we say negative, is going to be tied into the nastiness of the society we live in. So you have to bear with us. But it's our job. It's our duty to point these idiots out. I'm going to start off, though, with a fast food chain. Wendy's. The bag boys? Wendy's is already been noted as the highest priced fast food chain out there. Well, they're going to take it one step further, Dave. Oh. You know all those wonderful digital menu boards, the ones that I hate because, you know, you can't, they, they flip them so fast, you can't read what the hell was well, on yeah. it. Yeah. Well, now it's getting even better because of these digital menu boards. <laughs> that are LinkedIn and computerized and Wendy's is going to implement 
Wait for it. Dynamic, dynamic pricing in 2025. Oh, so if 20 people decide they want a single, it's going to go up from a dollar fifty to $2 or $3 or what? What the fuck is wrong with these people and this bullshit dynamic pricing? That is absolutely asshole-ish. People are going to stop going to restaurants. They're trying to drive themselves out of business. Yep, that's exactly what they're going to do. If it if the weather's bad, the prices are going to go up because they figure people, more people are going to stop through the drive-through to get food. Dumb beyond belief. Yep, so the guy in front of you, just like you said, the guy in front of you he could, could get a, a bacon double cheeseburger for 3 bucks. You get up there it could be 4. That's ridiculous. Pathetic. Uh, unbe- I it's agree with you completely. Stupid. Unbelievably pathetic. It's bad enough when we had to deal with this with Ticketmaster. And now we're going <laughs> to have to deal with it with buying a fucking hamburger at Wendy's. Well, Wendy's just signed their bankruptcy. Boycott. Although I will have to say, I have not been to a Wendy's in four years because. Their customer service sucks. They always get the orders wrong. They don't give you what you purchased. They screw up everything. So we went in three straight times, and they fucked it up each time we were done. Bye-bye. No more. Well, you know, I've got a Wendy's two blocks away from me. And I think it's been six years for me, because I'm going to echo almost everything you just said. Walked in there. Number one, the menu board. I couldn't make heads or tails of the menu board. It didn't match what I was seeing in the ads where they said, oh, we've got this special going on. And you didn't see it on the, the menu boards. Yeah. And then I walk in and the people are all sitting there talking to each other. And I sat there for literally a minute at the counter. And they just acted, well, okay, okay. We're, well, I guess. Customers, customers are inconvenienced, but I guess we got to help them out. And I haven't been back since. Yep. So Wendy's awful. All right. We'll get into the nasty stuff now. So three in a row. Three in a row involving the R word. First up, a California professor. Of course, that should be a forewarning right there. Yeah. California professor says we should all feel, quote, slightly racist, unquote, if we're Taylor Swift fans. The fuck is he talking about? (laughs) It's a California professor, Dave. Because I guess we are not allowed to be big fans of white female singers. Dumbass. We should all feel, again, slightly racist. No. No. But we're not done yet. Now, this one's been all over the news. How can I be slightly racist when I'm not even a Taylor Swift fan? But if you were, you'd be slightly racist. Whatever. I know. The guy must be good friends with Jay-Z. Gotta be. That was another thing that I think you missed when you were off a couple weeks ago, Jay-Z mad about Taylor Swift winning the album of the year Grammy saying, I don't understand how you didn't give it to my wife. Shut up. 
Just you ugly quit fuck. Being a you're, you should be bag. happy you've got more money than God and you're married to a beautiful woman because you are an ugly fuck stain. That about wraps it up. Google. Again, this has been all over the news. Google's Gemini. This AI. A death to AI. Where you ask it to show you a picture of a white person. And this this Gemini program comes back and says, I'm sorry, I'm not allowed to show you that because that's perpetuating a negative stereotype. So if you wanted to see like George Washington, it would come back with an image of George Washington as a black man. How fucking stupid is this? And now news today comes out that Google is working really hard to fix all the egregious problems with Gemini. Yeah, how about you shouldn't have fucking made it to begin with? And how about you didn't let a bunch of little snowflakes program it? That's the problem. The people that are programming this shit. Oh, but it gets better. Gets better, Dave. Let's go over the pond, as they say. Let's go over to Britain. Do we have to? Well, they're, you know, they, they know so much more than us. They're so much better and more well-run than us. Is that why they all have bad teeth? The British Board of Film Classification, basically the rating system for films in <clears throat> Great Britain, have decided. Let me ask you this. When you think of wholesome when it comes to movies, what? give me something that pops into your head. Wholesome movie. A wholesome movie. Pure as the driven snow. Heidi. Okay. Sound it, of Music. Okay, you're getting there. That that. Type How about of... Mary Poppins? Yeah, Mary Poppins is a wholesome Oh, movie. no. Nope, nope, nope. Mary Poppins will be reclassified. Whereas before it was a U, which is the same as our G. Yeah. Will now be turned to a PG rating. Because it has, quote, discriminatory language. You know what that discriminatory language is? The chimney sweep? The Hottentots. Oh, come on! Hottentots has been shown to be a racial slur. Oh, come on! <laughs> so now Mary Poppins is now a oh, racist movie. Oh, we've gone too movie. fucking far. That has got to be one of the dumbest... Oh, you gotta look Dumbest up hot and tots. You gotta look up hot and tots, man. It's bad news. Terrible stuff. So now Mary Poppins. I thought hot and tots were the tater tots that you <laughs> threw in the microwave for a quick snack. I saw. I thought if you saw a good-looking chick, you called her a hot and tot. Hey, baby, want to see my <sighs> cucumber? <laughs> Hulu. <clears throat> Hulu, of course, Hulu has got Hulu plus live TV. So they they have advertising in there, you know, in between the shows. And you can buy, if you're a local company, you can buy ad space. So down in Texas, Hulu has rejected a local ad from a Texas church. Why? Under the religious indoctrination language in their contract because you'll love this 
It's religious indoctrination because they dared to suggest that people should come to their church for Thursday services. Oh, come on! Absolutely 100% true. Hulu rejected, the hell rejected is with this, this world. This Texas church's ads because under their religious indoctrination. My God, the stupidity of this Thursday world services is somehow mean religious indoctrination. You're is this killing me. Smalls. I don't know about. <laughs> is something wrong with going to church on Thursday? I don't go to church, but I. If you want to go to church whenever, go to church. Why is Thursday all of a sudden considered religious indoctrination? My God. How about Director I'm... John Sayles? Director John Sayles, remember Lone Star? Way back in the day, the movie Lone Star? Vaguely. I think Chris Christopherson was in it. Yeah, I kind of remember it. Anyway, Director John Sayles, known for that movie. This again shows you how immature and petty... Hollywood is. Director John Sayles bragged recently about how he decided to protest Donald Trump's evil border wall by going down there and urinating on it. <laughs> but this is a mature man from Hollywood, well-known filmmaker, and that's how he decided to show <laughs> his displeasure with the border wall. What a dipshit. We got dumbasses everywhere. Oh, uh, we got a double dumbass to wrap things up. I like crosswords. Crosswords are fine. I like to keep my mind sharp yeah. as I get older. So I try to do a crossword online every day, whether it's Fox News or, in this case, USA Today. So yesterday I go to do the USA Today crossword. Let me tell you some of the, the clues I got. All right? What kind of style of music does this queer post-punk band play? What is www.translifeline.org an example of? What is a two-word... What is two words to describe gender-affirming surgery? And then later on, going back to that, what two things do you get from gender-affirming surgery? Scars. And this is in a normal daily crossword puzzle. All of those clues in the same crossword puzzle on USA Today the other day. Now, the, the, the www.translifeline.org, all it was was an example of a URL. So the, the, the answer was URL. Could have picked anything, anything else, else, any other website. But you had to do that. Gee, what agenda are they pushing? Top, yeah, top surgery for the gender-affirming procedure. Yeah. Now we go to Jeopardy. Jeopardy's in hot water now. Have you heard this? No, I have not watched Jeopardy in the last week. They did the same thing last night. 
from what I'm hearing. Oh, last they no, did the... last night I was watching one of the episodes of uh, Tokyo Vice. Yep. Nope. Jeopardy did the same thing. Basically, is the USA Today crossword where, and it's got a lot of people pissed off. Basically, they they said, "What are these three words?" Oh, they're transgender pronouns. <clears throat> this is what we do. We try to show you people the stupidity all around us, the agendas that are being pushed. Yes, we get it. You're out there. Fine. But we don't have to see it everywhere. You are not the majority. Even though you fucking act like it every second of every minute of every day. All right, kids, that'll do it for the weekend edition. He's your Uncle Dave. He's your Uncle Kev. Thanks, as always, for checking us out. Next week, of course, we will wrap up our Oscar preview with the second half of our look at all the greatest pictures, Academy Award winners, which Supposedly ones we've seen. Supposedly the greatest movies of the well, year. Well, they're not. We know that. But until then, in seven days, your Saturday morning week over, weekend hangover cure, easy for you to say, is back. Until then, peace out, kids. <laughs>